For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Democrats debate who will give out more free stuff while the Supreme Court quietly shapes our world. The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty every Saturday from 3 to 6 right here on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. And there are always so many threats to our liberty. The problem is they are disguised as entertainment or other issues. The classic I like to talk about is the dialectic where one side versus the other side makes it look like there's a fight going, but really... Both sides are working towards a middle, a middle that is not there to promote our liberty and our individual uh, justice, but something called social justice, which inevitably is individual injustice. But there's a lot of ideology flying around in the guise of this left right thing of the Democrat Republican thing. And I, I get like, baffled by by when you take a step back you ask why you know when you have a court of law we have an adversarial system there's another kind of system called the uh, inquisitor system inquisitive system whatever where like the judge asks questions and you have to answer them we have an adversarial system where two people fight it out and you and you and the judge listens to everything and then decides or the jury decides we seem to have this adversarial system in the in the political realm and i think we take it for granted that that's the way it has to be it's inevitable that democracy should be that way but really it isn't that way in it's not inevitable you see other places where there are numerous parties they have to share power i'm not saying that's better i'm just saying it's different and i can't help but remember my swedish friend telling me about sweden now they have uh culture clash because of immigration some immigration from places that are culturally so dissimilar that it causes problems rather than maybe war-torn ukraine which is right around the corner maybe wouldn't be so culturally different so i smell a rat with that but what she was telling me is that basically the swedish people have kind of the same sensibilities and are in agreement in their mixed economy there we call it socialism but it's really a mixed economy And they were doing fine with that. So I looked at that and I thought, why do we have such a different system? And for me, our, the ideological battle where the, it's the left versus right, the left to me is the foreign interference in our country that the, that the founding documents, the constitution doesn't really have to address the form of government like as socialism versus capitalism because of the 10th amendment it's really a coalition for commerce and defense that just keeps freedom to the max and uh defense more practical because we have these two oceans and we could just bind together to keep people 
from invading pretty easily. It should be a, a very simple system, which is why I like the Articles of Confederation more than the Constitution. But the Constitution will do, I think, if it's adhered to. But the Tenth Amendment kind of pushes all this stuff down to the states. The They're called the police powers, but they include health, uh, policing, education, all that stuff. That's been... Uh, established by the Supreme Court, that stuff's supposed to take the place of at the state level. So this week, we're de- the first of the Democratic debates who wants to be to see who's going to be nominated for the Democrat ticket for president in 2020. And they some really interesting things came out of it. I was loath to watch it. I was like, this is going to be smoke and mirrors or a circus or just uh mm, I don't like their ideology, so I didn't really feel like listening to it. But a lot of important points came up out of it. And and one of them was uh, one of the guys was talking about how Canada has a socialized medicine and maybe that works better because they are only 35 million people and we're closer to 350 million people. And on a separate point, Kamala Harris said that she was uh, the head of the Department of Justice, second in size only to the federal Department of Justice at the time, serving 40 million Californians. And I just started to think, I mean, I've always thought this, but they bring it out that that this idea that we need socialism and it needs to be on the federal level is just, uh, it doesn't make sense. It it actually would work less good that way, so less well. So why not look at Canada? They're, they're praising Canada's socialism for a for a governmental entity of 35 million people, California is bigger than that. They could be a self-sustaining socialist country, and why they need to impose it on the rest of the country it makes no sense. And I I, it, I you know I smell a rat with it. And the ideology that they are promoting with this it requires that everybody kind of get in line, that everybody get on the same page and it's not necessary and it causes a lot of division and strife and i think there are reasons for that one is a genuine desire to amass the most power as possible and in the united states you if you wove it all together would amass a great deal of power Uh, but also i think it's a way to divide us and distract us from the power that we exercise abroad as really what's functioning as an empire, a a conquering empire with the foreign wars and our foreign policies, which include economic policies that drive this migration. I mean, if you, we are always looking at each other in this battle for control of all 50 States. And we don't look at what both parties are doing together to affect the world, which in turn has backlash on us from 9-11 to the crisis at the border. So we should be thinking about that. And and this idea that we need to have uh, a 300 and something million person entity for these ideologies to work, it, 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 it again, like these other things, flies in the face of our founding documents. As I was looking into some of the Supreme Court decisions, where there are census, uh, they talked about the census and gerrymandering this year, this week. So I looked at the Constitution, which I always do to see what the basics are there. And uh, I've noticed this recently 
where it says they they the number of representatives, this is from the Constitution, shall not exceed one for every 30,000 people. Uh, and each state shall have at least one representative. Now, that says shall not exceed, okay. I get that that's the limit, and that's why that's not the actual ratio we have. But if that were the ratio we had, one for every 30,000 people, which seems like a fair, you're not very well represented if, if it's one representative for every 30,000 people. But in fact, if that were the case, we would have 11,000 representatives in Washington. We are grossly underrepresented by the metric that's laid out in the Constitution. Again, I say you don't need to have these overarching massive big government programs from coast to coast, even to adhere to the ideology these guys say they're purporting. Now, I want to get into some of the ideologies and some of the quotes and some of the sound bites. I know my producer Binkley's here. He, he usually, uh, I don't think we ever outright disagree, but um, you probably came away with a different overarching view of the of the debates. What? Um, first of all, hey, how you doing? I'm cooling <laughs> off. Oh yeah, yikes! Um, so what do you? What did you think of the? What was your biggest? I think there are a few big takeaways, but give me one big takeaway from the debate. It was like a pander festival, like in competition for world's greatest panderer. To give away free stuff or to uh, address people, to try to relate to people's identity. What did you think? Become America's next great politician and, yeah, relate to the identity talking points. Intersectional. There was a a lot of, uh, I will give away the most free stuff. Yes, absolutely. And a lot of babies in cages and the top 1% (laughs) is evil and Spanish speaking. That's true. There were themes. I definitely saw scripted moments and I think that you saw like that there was a memo that people were reading from. I yeah. didn't catch the patterns that you caught. Maybe we'll get into those. Kamala Harris needs some de- definite script work because she does not do I mean she's clearly scripted in these interjections that she has. Yeah, the food fight thing. Yeah. Did you notice that? So like everybody was talking over each other. It was it was really weird and unprofessional and it it reflected poorly on the moderators and it didn't ring true because Yang the person who probably spoke the least in the, on the stage said that at times his microphone was turned off. So the cacophony that arose during one of the episodes was clearly allowed to happen. And it gave Kamala Harris the opportunity to say they're not looking. What did she say? They're not looking something for about a food, a food something about America doesn't want a food fight. They, they want, want food. food on the yeah. table or something right. like that. Right. So it, she yeah. They teed stuff up for her. Absolutely. Remind me of a bad, like the first rehearsal of a staged play is what it reminded me of. Oh, where people are just like, oh, wait, no, it's my turn. No, wait, yeah. it's your turn. Uh, yeah. So there is definitely elements of that. Some people were better at it than others. That's for sure. I thought that Marianne Williamson was absolutely inserted. Well, at first I thought she was inserted for comic relief Do people. If people haven't watched it, that the highlight of the debate was not only, uh, Marianne Williamson, who I'd never heard of before, was on that stage with, I think, 600 people registered to run for Democrat president. I don't know how she is one of the people who got 20, one of the 20 slots. But she she actually I know people, anyone who heard it, I was going to be like, Monica really lost her mind. I 
I liked what she said. I thought she made sense. Like she was touching on, on deeper issues. It didn't sound like it because she seemed so high. But uh, that's, I think, why they put her there to represent these deeper issues because she sounds like a flake. And then the the story all week was the SNL chick's um, impression of her, which I did find to be knee-slappingly funny. And even though I don't like to rerun stuff that's run a thousand times, I think we're going to have to do it. So did you, what did you think, Binkley, of the Marianne Williamson? Did you, her... Uh... I thought she did a great job. She she kept talking and did not stop talking. And that's how you get time in these debates. Is she just, I mean, she basically, I, I thought Chuck Todd was going to come up there and tackle her at one point. <laughs> Well, we'll let you hear what she had to say a little bit. I think we have a few clips of that. But I, even if we, we don't hear it in her voice, there were a couple of things that I thought, hmm, she uh, this is worth digging into. All right, so let's get to some of that. And uh, we've got some clips. I do want to talk about the Supreme Court decisions. I'm open to if people want to call about any of that. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Or you can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. Don't hate the player, hate the game, son. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We're going to go to a quick call. You are welcome to join the party. 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. Or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. We're talking about the Democratic debates and some of the Supreme Court decisions that came down this week. And I'm going to go to Julie. Julie, you are on with Monica. Hi, Julie. Hi, Julie. Can you hear me? Hi, Julie. Hi, Monica. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. What you got? Awesome. Well, first of all, the Marianne Williamson, she's very, very big in the self-help world. The motivational blog, that's where she's fake. Massive. Um, And that's not my point. But you didn't bring up reparations, and I'm a black conservative, so um, I do have a, a solution that's fairly easy. I just looked up today very quickly what reparations are. And I didn't even look into the details, but it says, a lot of details, but it says they want to study for $12 million, have a committee study this, and then it looks like it could possibly be a $17 trillion solution. And I think this solution is a lot easier. It took me about 15 seconds to come up with, which is there are 12% of the country is black. There are about 36 million black people. Um, provide each one, and this gets more, com- you know, there's complexities, but give each one $1 million, but then remove all um, Medicaid, uh, Medicaid and welfare programs because those are reparation programs. We don't call them that, but that's what they are. So if we want to call it something, give a dollar number, Give it a number, call it reparations, but remove all the other stuff you can get now. Better health insurance than most Americans. You can get better education than most Americans. That, uh, to me, is a solution. It is only $36 million. Wow. I'm going to, let's think about that, Julie. I'll, uh, I'll address, that's a bold idea. A, I didn't think about it that way. Let's, uh, I'm going to talk about it after the break. 800-WSB-TALK. Or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. Everything you do is being watched by some all-seeing eye. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We are hitting the ground running here with 
Talking about the Democrat debate, there are a lot of issues that came up. Julie called before the break talking about reparations. Don't hang up, Julie. I think we're going to get back to you because Anne is calling uh, with a response. So Julie's idea was that there are 36 million black people in America and we should give them an idea, a simpler, cheaper idea than the Democrats plan. Julie described herself as a black conservative, so I doubt she's on board with the Democrat plan. It would cost $17 trillion to do the study and all that kind of stuff. And uh, her idea, I think, costs more than that, Julie. So you got to hang on and defend it. But it's just give the payment, but then take people off of Medicare or other ser- services because those, Julie characterized them as reparations. So I'm going to get back to you, Julie, and ask about that. But Anne wanted to respond to you. So, Anne, are you on the line? Can I get Anne on the line? She must have hung up. Okay, so I'm going to go back to Julie. And, uh, oh, Tariq's on the line, too, so we should talk to him. But, Julie, so I did the math. You still there? Yes, ma'am. All right. I did the math, and uh, it would be, if it's 36 million people getting a million dollars each, I think that's $36 trillion. Do you think? Oh, did I do that? Well... But we can just I'm, make it a different number. Let's say it's a break-even no, number. No, say it's 30, 36 million people get $1 million each. Is 36 million. million. Million, which is a trillion. But let's just say, <laughs> let's just cut that in half and say they get 500000 each. That's plenty, probably. And then uh, you that would be the equivalent to the Democrat plan of $17 trillion. But... No, but, no, 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 I, I'm, I'm still, you, you lost me off guard. One, each person yep. gets $1 million. Right. I don't understand where you're doing the math for the trillion. Well, how many people are there? 36 million. So if you have to give a million dollars to each of 36 million people. That's 36 million. That's 36, it's times a million. Okay. Otherwise, it's a dollar. But I want to talk about the principle. Oh, God, 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 God. Yeah, yeah, no, it's expensive. But I want to talk about the principle of it. Do you, so you're saying, I like that this, or I'm interested in this idea that social services are a reparation for, let's just say, past injustices that put people in different classes. Is that fair? Absolutely. So, so, you know, thinking about that, if we went back and looked at all the money that was paid into these programs, let's even just say since LBJ is New Society, uh, if you want to go back, then you would really have to drill down from a racial basis. Like, did, uh, is it, you know, would you deduct from the reparations how much of that was paid out to Black people versus American Indians versus, you know what I mean? Like it would, it, it's, I think you're onto something in that the reparations uh, have just this concept. But the, the Native Americans already got paid. Yeah, That's yeah. Not what, yeah. So what you're going to, what you're going to have is all the other 264 million complaining about this. But I'm just saying to solve this problem and be done with it and get the money out of the welfare system and the Medicaid system. I mean, we're probably spending more than $36 trillion on Yeah, on I mean, that's that. that's actually the thing, is that if you were to do that, and this is the problem with the universal basic income, um, that, like, people 
I, I enter these ideas as a way to solve the bigger problem, but they're not going to actually take away all the welfare or the other taxes that are there to address these issues anyway. You know what I mean? So I think you make an excellent point in that you're going to have uh, those payments, but you're also just going to have a continuing bed of payments because in reality, I wouldn't be surprised if money you give to people just outright, they, they often don't keep it. They get bamboozled out of it anyway, and then you're back where you started. I wouldn't be surprised. Well, yes, no, there's a lottery mentality syndrome. Yeah. Yes. So you'd have to qualify. Exactly. You'd have to have a psychologist so you can deal to transforming this new life. There'd be a wealth manager to make sure you don't buy a yacht. I mean, social worker to make sure that you can handle it. Of course, that's up, but then those jobs now, I'm sure there's some underworking, the non-working psychologists who could use the, the work. But, there, yeah, there would be that to it. But just give the money out. It wouldn't be tomorrow. You don't get a million dollars tomorrow. But get work it out so you get the money, get rid of the program, get rid of the program. And that would not, that would just be for the people who get the money. Now, of course, you have the rest of the country that still needs the program. You leave the program in place for those. But you've got to get these, you know, just pick, yes. pick, okay. pick a side. I got you know, you're it. either right. going to get welfare for the rest of your life, which is a lot of money, yeah. or get the money and let's move on. That's a get, very, get- yeah, it's a very interesting concept. I'm, gonna, I'm going to simplify it this way and say there's a concept of net present value of a future stream of income. And like that's what life insurance is or uh, damages if you kill somebody wrongfully. Uh, you look at what is the what is the value today of that future stream of income, and by the way you're talking about it, I think you could look at a a future stream of income through generations, and what would be that net present value right now? So then the person who gets it now, see, it's a real temporal problem, a time problem here, because the person who gets it now has this responsibility to the future generations to make it right for them. Likewise, the person who gets it now is getting this benefit for something that happened to people in his or her past that may or may not have had the impact uh, that we are attributing to it. So that's about the person receiving it. This one person at this point in time is receiving it, and that's supposed to make it right for his ancestors and for his descendants. I mean, that's tricky. Are you saying that reparations are actually going to solve the problem? I think that's what's so interesting about your point, Julie. And then there's the other side. Who's paying for it? So let's say there was a benefit. Let's say there, there clearly was labor by slaves that was a benefit. Who received that benefit? Let's say it was the slave owners primarily. The surplus that they had, the wealth they built up, was not distributed to the slaves by Lincoln and the North. It was destroyed. So that isn't there. So then who pays for it? People now. I, my, I had nobody in my family living in this country at that time. We were, most of us were Irish. And if you read this stuff about what the English were doing to the Irish, it was similar. Chased you out of your own country. So it will cause a lot of resentment to the people here and now who are paying for something they could argue they did not benefit from. But there's, that's a very 
This is some hot stuff to talk about, and I was not looking to dive into that with both feet, but let's do it. And since we're in the pool, let's talk to Tariq. Hey, Tariq. Good afternoon. Hope you're doing well. Enjoy the show. So do, would you like me to comment on the subject that you just took a call? <laughs> yes, or the, please. Okay. Please do. First, first of all, I try to be very quick. Stuff is scrabbling around in my head, but the, the big problem is the reparations, I have a serious issue with it. Because the slaves, uh, there's no way anybody gets paid now for something that happened a couple of centuries ago. Because I know for a fact I had one of my ancestors was born in 1810. And his parents were born before that. That's one thing. But, but what I want to get to essentially is this. This is an example of why Socrates cringed at the, at the, in thinking about the form of government we call democracy, because he said there are two ways to do it. First of all, you allow people to vote based on birthright, or you do it based on wisdom or skill. And to, and to vote based on wisdom and skill, you, it's, it has to be taught. One of the ways you do that is through history. But to me, what this, you notice this reparations all of a sudden is hot and heavy. To me, the, the bottom line is, this is a system or a continuation of the collective's program to make the whole world, in this case, the United States, part of the collective count. Because when, when I was talking about voting, uh, one of the things, one example, if I recall, it's been a long time, but Socrates said that you typically had a lot of demigods elected because they would do things like, Offer things like like a candy store. You know what I mean? Offer yeah, things that, I watched that the debates things. this week. I know what you mean. Yeah, and I didn't even look at it, so because I, I, I know where they're coming from, so I didn't waste my time. Right. But if you if you if you if you offer stuff, you know, human nature. Like Homer said, there were some things when he described the community. It hadn't changed in a couple of thousand years, over two thousand years. Our nature has been the same, so you can always get. The one or two percent, as opposed to ninety-eight percent, you're always going to have somebody that likes free stuff. The, the, the collective people here in this country. When I say collective, now you talk about Democrat and, and Republicans. Trust me. Well, this is my strong opinion. You have people of, of both persuasions in both parties. There were a lot of things that the collective kept from the collective folks in the Republican Party that didn't vote on things, right? Because they've all been infected and socially engineered. You just have, I believe, more of the extreme left that are affected that way. But, you know, you offer, all of a sudden they wanted for president, so they want to offer even more free stuff. Yeah, I got you know I mean? to just uh, interject, Tariq, so people don't think I uh, <laughs> my mic doesn't work. I... I had the same impression of the Democrat debate, which obviously you did or you said you didn't listen to. But my first thing was these guys act like they're socialists and Republicans are capitalists and they're both in favor of a mixed economy. No question about it. They're all giving away stuff. It's just that one of them uses as a touchstone Plato's philosophy of the collective as the the essential social unit. And the other Republicans pretend, although they don't really do it, to like Aristotle's idea of the individual as the basic unit of society. And then it comes from there. And for me, 
the platonic way requires the central control where you have the people at the top have to have total wisdom and they have to have good character. Therefore, world governance. That's one of the main things. It's really speeded up the last two or three hundred years. But that's really what it's. I mean, they, there's another quick point I want to make because my mind is scrambling because I got so many things in there. But Thomas I'm only Jefferson, giving you one more minute, Tariq, and then we're okay. going to break. So get it out Th- there. Th- Thomas Jefferson wrote Madison. Uh, for those that aren't aware, he's considered the, the major architect of the Constitution. Madison, among others, they didn't get that knowledge from nowhere. Madison discovered. Uh, the Tales uh, of Nations. Yeah, they, they just, he, he studied different forms of confederacies and republics. We went back a few thousand years. That's why they seem so brief, but it really, it really came back to that. So a lot of this stuff, it's, it's by, by design. They're just doing it for votes. There's nothing, there's not, to me, the ones that you really need to pay reparations to are the slaves, and you can't do that. Um, now, now, don't get me wrong. There are some things that we should address. We could, should continue to try to address to make it uh, more efficient for us to improve overall. Give me one example, and then I'm going to let like, you. Like, like education, uh, try to make an even playing field in the workforce as much as possible without being prejudiced toward the majority. You know what I mean? Because that's not right either. And I've always felt that way. All right, I get I'm going to cut you off right now and go to a break, but I'm going to respond to a couple of things you had to say uh, right after this. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. And now for something completely different. On News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Julie really sparked a firestorm about reparations. I have got a full bank of calls, and I'm hoping you guys will all stay on the line. Their uh, comments are... They're just teasing to my screener. I've got to talk to everyone. Michael, Willie, Brian, John, hang on. Uh, I want to respond to Tariq, who I hung up on before the call. Uh, uh, He was talking about reparations, but so much more. So I just need to square away a couple of things that he left hanging. One was he said you have to resolve these issues in a way that isn't unfair to the majority, which is something you never hear. But I read it in Bastiat's The Law when a very small and worthwhile little essay where he said, be careful that when you switch places with your tyrants, you are not then the tyrants. So be very careful about that. And that's why we want always to have the touchstone of, uh, of objective principles that it doesn't matter who you are when you were born, you are equally protected under the law and benefited by it. If that's the kind of society you live in, that's when social engineering can get in the way of individual justice. So thanks for that. And then he also said that uh, I asked him a specific of how he'd make it right. And he said, and, uh, besides education, which is tricky, because if the state's doing it, it's going to favor the state. He did say an even playing field, which I believe unbridled competition results in the most even distribution of wealth, not the dis- undistribution, the the concentration of wealth comes when competition is restricted. Rockefeller's the one who said competition was a sin, not the guy running the uh, ice cream stand on the corner. So uh, these are big principles. I love talking about big principles. I want to get to these calls. You can call to 800-WSB-TALK. Binkley, you had a comment about the reparations. Uh, What was your takeaway? 
that the reparations debate isn't designed to solve a problem. It's designed to inflame one, to increase racial tensions uh, leading up to an election. Yeah, I believe that. And yet the our callers here are going to engage in a civilized debate. I'm dying to hear what they have to say. Hang on, guys. This is Monica Perez.